You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Welcome back to another episode of Outlaws and Gunslingers. It's a new week, new show, and we're chugging along, chugging along. And literally chugging along. Literally chugging along. Uh, Fresh off of last week's... Fresh off a of Harry Pierpont, yeah, we went all the way back to nineteen uh, twenty the thirties uh, and twenties. Now we're coming back to the sixties and seventies with a well-known. I'm sure you guys have heard of these guys, Black Liberation Army, which was a far-left black nationalist underground black power revolutionary terrorist organization that operated in the United States from nineteen seventy to nineteen eighty-one, which was composed of Black Panthers and Republican New Africa members who served above ground. Before going underground, huh. the organization's organization's program was one of war against the United States government, and its stated goal was to take up arms for the liberation and self-determination of black people in the United States. Everybody heard story about the Black Panthers. Um, many of you guys, I don't know if you guys, many of you do, but uh, if you are grew up on rap music and music in the 90s, you would know that uh, old Tupac's mommy... Yeah, and Daddy was a member of this organization. Right, and uh, old Kevin Arnold's sister was dating a guy from the Black Liberation Army. Yeah. He was white. Yeah. I don't think they let white people in. Yeah, it was part of the Black Panthers. Yeah, I think I mean, Black Panthers. Yeah, maybe not the, but not the Liberation Army. Not the Liberation Army, but the Black Panthers for some reason. It's weird. I don't think so. Yeah, there was no whites in the Black Panthers. Yeah. Kevin Arnold. Kevin Arnold. There was a White Panther Party. Hmm. New Black Panther. Encourage violence against whites, Jews, and uh, I, don't, I don't think so, bud. Whoa. Uh, type in uh, Wonder Years episode of Black Panthers. <laughs> I don't think so, bud. She was dating that guy that was in the um, vegan thing, and he hated the war. Right. And him and the dad got into an argument at the table about it. Right. It was an old Black Panther. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the scene from Forrest Gump. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I think I'm thinking from the scene from Forrest Gump. Probably are. When, uh, but she was there. Jenny, Jenny, she's not the chick from. I know, but she was dating a black guy, right? I don't know. And that's why she was with the Black she, Panthers. They, weren't they at the party? Yeah. yeah. Then maybe that's what. How the fuck are you confuse that with Wonder Years? <laughs> yeah, the same. <laughs> no. Black Liberation Army gained strength as Black Panther Party membership declined. By 1970, the police and FBI sabotaged with infiltration and segregation, the lengthy prison sentences, and death of key members, among them Fred Hampton has significantly undermined the Black Panther Party. Yeah, I would say. This convinced many former party members of the desirability of underground existence, seeing that a new period of violent repression by the United States federal and local government was at hand. BLA members operated under the belief that only through covert means... Covert. Right. Including, but not limited to, retribution... Could the movement be continued until such a time when an above-ground existence <laughs> They were like possible. mole people in the ground. There's no way. We'll, we'll emerge once they least expect it. <laughs> the conditions under which the Black Liberation Army formed are not entirely clear, but it's commonly believed that the organization was founded by those who left the Black Panther Party. Right. They were more and radical. After Elridge Cleaver was expelled from the party's central committee, a fallout between Cleaver and other Panther leaders followed him 
followed from his public criticism of the BPP, Black Panther Party, and among other things, accusing Panther social programs of being reformist mm. rather than revolutionary. Ah. Others, including Black revolutionary Geronimo Pratt, a.k.a. Geronimo Gijaga, insert that the BLA as a movement concept predated and was broader than the BPP. Huh. Suggesting that it was a refuge for ex-Panthers rather than a new organization formed through schism. Mm, sounds familiar. I mean, probably, right? Sounds familiar. They were probably just like, hey, we got kicked out of the Panthers. Let's just go form our own shit. Right. Uh, Asada Shakur in her autobiography, Asada. An autobiography. <laughs> Asserts. Well, I mean, that's not very creative. Right. She says, the Black Liberation Army was not a centralized, organized group with a common leadership and a chain of command. Instead, there were various organizations and collectives working together simultaneously, independent of each other. Okay. One such organization was the Philadelphia-based Black Unity Council, which renamed itself the Black Liberation Army in 1970. Independent of BLA groups in New York and D.C. Okay. They have multiple. It's like a mob now. They have multiple factions everywhere. Right. Maxwell Stanford, founder of the Revolutionary Action Movement, or RAM, cites the Black Guards, a wing of the RAM, as direct BLA forerunners. Newly formed BLA believe that the character of reformism is based on, based on unprincipled class collaboration with our enemy and asserted the following principles. Number one, that we are anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, anti-racist and anti-sexist hmm. number two that we must of necessity strive for the abolishment of these systems and for the institution of socialistic relationships in which black people have total and absolute control over their own destiny as a people okay and number three that in order to abolish our systems of oppression we must utilize the science of class struggle develop the science as it relates to our unique national condition hmm. all of them sound like excuses to me I mean, the only one that makes sense to me is uh, absolute control over their own destiny as a people, because that should be everybody. Right. According to the Justice Department report on BLA activity, the Black Liberation Army was suspected of involvement in over 70 incidents of violence between the years 1970 and 1976. The Fraternal Order of Police blamed BLA for the murders of 13 police officers. Not doubting it. October 22nd, 1970. The BLA was believed to have planted a bomb in St. Brendan's Church in San Fran. While it was full of mourners attending the funeral of San Francisco's police officer Harold Hamilton, who had been killed in a line of duty while responding to a bank robbery. Wow. The bomb was detonated. No one in the church suffered serious injuries, though. Well, so these guys are like, killing that cop wasn't bad enough. We're going to kill all the family members and other cops that are mourning them. Right. That is mobbish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like at least Irish mob. Right. Irish mob. Russian mob. More car bombs. Russian mob or Mexican cartel. Right. Well, Jeez. not cutting people's heads off and hanging them from a bridge. <laughs> Still trying to moider the whole family and friends and anybody else. Jeez, old Pete. Just trying to wipe off that old Hamilton's off his existence, existence, huh? On May 21st, 1971, <laughs> as many as five men participated in the murder of two New York City police officers, Joseph Piagentini, oh, sorry if I get that wrong, and Waverly Jones. Those arrested and brought to trial for the shootings include Anthony Bottom, a.k.a. Jalil Montaquim, Albert Washington, Francisco Torres, Gabriel Torres, and Herman Bell. Okay. On August 29, 1971, three armed men murdered 51-year-old San Francisco Police Sergeant John Victor Young uh -oh. while he was working at a desk in his police station. Why? Which was almost empty at the time due to a bombing attack on the bank that took place earlier. Oh, geez. Only one other officer and a civilian clerk were there. 
So they just ran up in the police station and killed him, dude. Two days later, the San Francisco Chronicle received a letter signed by the BLA claiming responsibility. Hmm. So now you got all-out war against the popos. Right. They ain't going to take too kindly to that. Jeez, oh, Pete, man. November 3rd, 1971, Officer James R. Green of the Atlanta Police Department shot and moited in his patrol van at a gas station. His wallet, badge, and weapon were taken. Evidence at the scene pointed to two suspects. The first was Taiman Myers, who was killed in a police shootout in 1973. And the second was Freddie Hilton, a.k.a. Kamo Sadiki, who evaded capture until 2002. Look at that guy. Wow. When he was arrested in New York City on a separate charge and was recognized as one of the men wanted in the Green murder. They're still thinking about that 31 years later? Wow. Sure, when they say recognize his prints came up as something, right? Had to have been. Apparently, two men had attacked the officer to gain standing with their compatriots within the Black Liberation Army. Mm-mm. On January 27, 1972, the Black Liberation Army assassinated police officers Gregory Froster, Foster and Rocco Lorry at the corner of 174 Avenue B in New York City. That's the second Italian moited. Right. They don't like Italians. Apparently reason. not. Well, yeah. <laughs> After the killings, a note sent to authorities portrayed the murders as retaliation for the prisoner deaths during the 1971 Attica prison riot. Believe it. To date, no arrests have been made in that case. Two of the three suspects died in unrelated shootouts with cops, one in New York, one in St. Louis, with Lori's gun in his car. Wow. And the third was sentenced in 2016 to 21 years for selling heroin to undercover police. Oh, jeez. Idiot. Evidence found at the scene has been lost. Oh, has it? <laughs> Always no. is. How do they just... I don't understand. Yeah, it just don't make no sense. Don't understand. Right. 31st of July, 1972, five armed individuals hijacked Delta Lines Flight 841. Delta Airlines, Right. Too. On route from Detroit to Miami, eventually collecting a ransom of $1 million and diverting the plane after passengers' release to Algeria. Damn. Dang, they're like, can we make it across the Atlantic? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to... I- <laughs> Damn, did they refuel? Could they? Apparently they did. Oh, yep, refuel the plane. It's flown to Boston after it was hijacked. They picked up a flight engineer who was qualified to fly the plane overseas. They're, the, the flight origin is from Detroit to Miami, but the first stopover is in Logan International Airport, Massachusetts, and then their second stopover is all the way in Algeria, and then they go to Miami. Holy shit. Yeah, it was an international flight, clearly. That'd be sweet. I got a, I got a, I got a, a flight to Miami. I'll be there in uh, six days. Six days. <laughs> Stupid. Um, I don't think it takes six days, does it? I don't know. It'll take. Probably, I don't know. It Twelve takes hours. Like, it takes like fourteen hours from here to Paris. Paris. Algeria is just across the Atlantic, right there. It can't take that long. Um. Yeah. So they refueled, got them one million, and then uh, released the passengers. Authorities there seized the ransom. But allowed the group to flee. Oh, so they went to Algeria and the authorities there. The Algerians were like, yeah, we'll take this million. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but you guys can run along. <laughs> Four were eventually caught by French authorities in Paris, where they were convicted of various crimes. But one, George Wright, remained a fugitive until 26th of September 2011, when he was captured in Portugal. Jeez. Portuguese courts rejected the initial pledge for extradition. American authorities may still appeal this decision. May so still. So he's still there. 22 years. I mean, uh, 12 years later. In another high-profile incident, Asada Shakur, 
Zaid Shakur and Sundiata Akoli were said to have opened fire on state troopers in New Jersey after being pulled over for a broken taillight. Oh, no. Zaid Shakur and state trooper Werner Forrester were both killed during the exchange. Oh. Following her capture, Asada Shakur was tried in six different criminal trials. According to Shakur, she was beaten and tortured during her incarceration in Dang. a number of different federal and state prisons. Oh, man. The charges ranged from kidnapping to assault and battery to bank robbery. Oh. Asada Shakur was found guilty of the murder of both Forrester and her companion, Zayed Shakur. Well, I don't know how they did that. Right. But escaped prison in 1979 and eventually fled to Cuba and received political asylum. Akoli oh. was convicted of killing Forrester and sentenced to life. Oh, jeez. Okay. The BLA was active in the United States until at least 1981, when a Brinks truck robbery conducted with support from former Weather Underground members Kathy Bowden and David Gilbert, which left a guard and two police officers dead. The robbery began with Bowden dropping off her infant son, Chessa Bowden, at a babysitter's before taking the wheel of the getaways. <laughs> well, at least she didn't take that baby with her. Uh, which was a U-Haul truck. That was the getaway vehicle. Wow, you can't get away very fast in a U-Haul truck. She waited in a nearby parking lot as her heavily armed accomplices drove a red van to the Nanu Mall, right? Nanu it? Nanu? Nanu it? Nanu it Mall, where a Brinks truck was making a pickup. Mm. 3.55 p.m., Brinks guards Peter Page, Peter Page and Joseph Trombino emerged from the mall carrying bags of money. As they loaded the money into the truck, the robbers stormed out of their van and attacked. One fired two shotgun blasts into the truck's bulletproof windshield, while another opened fire with an M16 Rifle. Page Dang. was hit multiple times in the chest and killed instantly. Obviously. Trombino was able to fire a single shot from his handgun, but was struck in the shoulder and arm by several rounds, nearly severing his arm from his body. Oh, jeez. Uh, um, the truck's driver, James Kelly, noticing the shootings behind him, fired several rounds at the robbers through a gun port on the door of his truck, but came under heavy gunfire. He took cover underneath the dashboard, but he was hit in the head by glass and bullet shrapnel. Oh, jeez. The assailants grabbed $1.6 million in cash, which was equivalent to... Four point eight million in twenty twenty one, so probably about the same today. Got back in their van and fled the scene. Oh, they said bye bye with one point six mil. Oh jeez, Trabino survived his injuries. Continued to work for the Brinks Company for the yeah, next twenty years. They better gave him a nice little uh, retirement package. He was almost killed in the nineteen ninety three World Trade Center bombing, and was killed in the September eleven two thousand one attack. <laughs> so much for the retirement. While he was package. making a delivery in the World Trade Center oh, North Tower. Jeez, this guy just happens to be making deliveries on the exact same days all this stuff's happening. <laughs> Holy goodness! Some would have, yeah. Uh, I think Trombino was cursed or something. This guy, wherever he went, trying to blow him up. Nobody wanted to be his partner. Jeez, oh, Pete. Man. After fleeing the scene, the robbers drove to the parking lot. After fleeing the scene, the robbers drove to the parking lot where a yellow Honda and a U-Haul truck manned by members of the May 19th, the May 19th Communist Organization. These guys were waiting. The robbers quickly threw all the bags of money into the car and truck and sped away. In a house across the street, Sandra Torgerson, an alert college student, spotted them as they switched vehicles and called the Mopo Police. Good for you, Sandra. Right. Meanwhile, police units from all over the country were converging on the mall where the shootout occurred and attempting to cut off all from all over the country. Whoa. Oh, county. Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> it's like people from, like, California. I'll be there. <laughs> Give us four hours. Uh, yeah, they converged on the mall and attempted to cut off all possible escape routes. Soon, police officers Edward O'Grady, Waverly Brown, Brian Lennon, and Artie Keenan spotted and pulled over the U-Haul truck with Bowden in the front seat along with Yellow Honda at an entrance ramp. So they followed each other? 
Idiots. No, no, they're stupid. Entrance ramp to the ramp to the New York State Thruway off of New York State Route 59. Uh-oh. The police were not sure if they had the right truck since it had been reported that the robbers were all black, while the occupants of this vehicle were white. Uh-oh. Which were the uh, Bowden and uh, right. other, a deliberate part of the original plan by the robbers hoping to fool the police. Right. Which it almost did, apparently. Almost. Since truck matched the description of the getaway vehicle they were looking for, the officers pulled it over and approached with guns. <laughs> Good idea, officers. Right. The police officers who caught them testify that Bowden, fiending innocence, pleaded with them to put down their guns and convince them to drop their guard. Well, Bowden said she remained silent at that the officers relaxed spontaneously. After police lowered the guns, six men armed with automatic weapons and wearing body armor emerged from the back of the truck and began firing upon the four Jeez, officers. Why would they put their guns down? Because it's just a little white lady with her, with her boy. I mean, she didn't have her boy. No. Officer Brown managed to fire two or three rounds at the robbers before he was hit repeatedly by rifle rounds and collapsed on the ground. One robber then walked up to his prone body and fired several more shots into him with a 9mm, ensuring his death. I bet it did. Keenan was shot in the leg but managed to duck behind a tree and return fire. Officer O'Grady lived long enough to empty his revolver, but as he reloaded, he was shot several times with an M16. Jeez. 90 minutes later, he died on a hospital operating table. Dang. Meanwhile, Lennon, who was in his cruiser when the shootout began, tried to exit out the front passenger door, but O'Grady's body was wedged up against the oh, door. Oh, jeez. He watched as the suspects jumped back into the U-Haul and sped directly towards him. Oh, no. Lennon fired his shotgun several times at the speeding truck as it collided with his police car. Then two, then fired two rounds from his pistol. The occupants of the U-Haul scattered. Some climbed into the yellow Honda, others carjacking a nearby motorist, while Bowden attempted to flee on foot. <laughs> An off-duty corrections officer, Michael J. Koch, apprehended her shortly after the shootout. Good ram. When she was arrested, Bowden gave her name as Barbara Edson. Liar. Right. <laughs> Gilbert, Brown, and Clark crashed the Honda while making a sharp turn, injuring Brown's neck and knocking Clark's handgun onto the floor of the car. South Nyack Police Chief Alan Colsey was the only officer initially at the scene of the crash, but managed to hold them at gunpoint to Orangetown. Uh, police officer Michael Seidel in Rockland County District Attorney's Office Detective geez, Jim Stewart arrived. Okay. After the trio were arrested, police found $800,000 from the robbery and Clark's 9mm on the floor in the back seat of the car. Hmm, where's the rest of the money? They threw it in the uh, truck, remember? All right. Police traced the license plate on one of the getaway vehicles to an apartment in New Jersey. There, the police found weapons, bomb-making materials, and detailed blueprints of six Manhattan police precincts. Investigation later revealed the department was rented by Marilyn Buck, who was also another getaway driver that we did not mention before, who had been previously arrested for providing weapons to the Black Liberation Army as well. She had been sentenced to 10 years in prison, but in 1977, she was granted furlough and hmm. never returned. They were like, you can leave for a minute, but you got to come back. She was like, okay. I promise. <laughs> While at the apartment, police also found papers that listed an address in Mount Vernon, New York, a small city in Westchester County, about 20 miles from the mall where the robbery occurred. When police raided that apartment, they found bloody clothing, ammunition, more guns, and ski masks. Investigation later revealed that the bloody clothing belonged to Buck, who had accidentally shot herself in the leg when she tried to draw her weapon during the shootout with the police. Oh, no. Jeez, dude. (laughs) All the plates on the vehicle. Why'd they use... I swear, criminals are so dumb. They're why do they use their own cars? They're dumb. These people are stupid. I guess that's why they're... Criminals. Well, you can be a criminal and not get caught, right? When? Um, Who does that? Barack Obama. <laughs> well, he got caught. He just never got convicted. Right. Or sentenced. Right. Or arrested. <laughs> right. So. 
All the plates on a vehicle seen near the Mount Vernon address were entered into the NCIC system. Three days later, NYPD Detective Lieutenant Dan... <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lieutenant Dan Kelly spotted a 1978 Chrysler with a oh. license plate that had been seen at the Mount Vernon apartment and called for backup. The vehicle occupied by Sundiata and Odinga mm-hmm. fled from the police when officers tried to pull them over. Of course they did. After the vehicle crashed, the two occupants engaged the police in a gunfight. <laughs> These guys are terrible drivers. <laughs> right. <laughs> that left Sundiata dead and Odinga Captured. Damn. Inside in Sunday, at a shirt pocket, found police found a crushed 38 caliber slug they believe was fired from O'Grady's service weapon. He still had it in a shirt pocket? Dang. Three more participants, including Balagoon, were arrested several months later. The investigation for the participants in the robbery would continue for years. Oh, wow. Buck was arrested in 1985. The last person to be arrested was Shakur, accused as the ringleader of the robbery in 1986. Hmm. Accused as a ringleader, huh? Hmm. Asata. Gilbert. Kwasi Balagoon and Clark were the first of the accused to go to trial. Upon a motion by the defense, the trial was transferred from Rockland County to Orange County due to concerns regarding the partiality of the jury. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course. Come on. Because the BLA was known for attempting to break their members out of prison, as in the case of Asada Shakur, massive security precautions were undertaken uh, at the Orange County Surrogates Court in Goshen, New York. Goshen. The defendants elected to proceed pro se. Um, yeah, so they decided to defend themselves. Would you take a freaking uh, a lawyer that a was public defender back then? Right. Hell no. Or even hire even one now. I don't know. They could probably hire one. Sure, right. somebody. Uh, I mean, lawyers are corrupt. Right. That's true. Uh, throughout the trial, they repeatedly disrupted the proceedings by shouting anti-U.S. slogans, proclaiming to be at war with the Uh-oh. government, and refusing to respect any aspect of the U.S. legal system. Okay. They called the robbery an expropriation of funds that was needed to form a new country and a few select southern states that ideally would be populated only by African Americans. So what's the sense of having a jury and a trial and all that? And they're basically, hey. They're doing it for you. Just throw them away. End it done. Over. Jeez. When it came time, for, and they already admitted to half the stuff, right? BLA admitted to the shootings of well, police officers and all responsibility that? responsibility for... Right. The one shooting, but I guess you still got to sh- prove who did the shooting. You can't just send the whole uh, organization to jail. When it came time for the defendants to present their case, they called only one witness, Seko Odinga, who had already been convicted. Oh, of- he flipped. You know he did. Uh, he already been convicted of multiple bank robberies. He said that his organization was fighting for the liberation and self-determination of black people in this country. Until you start killing people over it. Odinga testified that the killings were suitable because the three victims had interfered with the uh, oh, interfered with their plan. In his view, the theft of money was morally justified because those funds were robbed through the slave labor that was forced of them and their ancestors. Get the hell out of here. Oh, after his testimony, he was praised by the defendants and led out of the courtroom to serve his 40-year federal prison sentence. The jury was not convinced by Odinga's reasoning, and at the end of the trial, it took the jury only four hours to four minutes. Only four hours? Jeez. It should have only took uh, four minutes. Four uh, hours. Judge, we don't have to yeah, go. Yeah, we don't have chambers. to go. Guilty. <laughs> um, four hours of deliberation to return a verdict convicting all three defendants of armed robbery, armed robbery and three counts of murder. When the verdict was announced, Clark, Gilbert, and Balagoon refused to appear in court. Remain in the basement holding cells, drinking coffee, and railing against what okay. they perceive to be a racist court system. I don't think any interest is served by forcing them to be here, said Judge Ritter. Yeah, why do they need to be here? We All right. shit. All right. How the hell are they drinking coffee? <sighs> First of all. 
Who the uh... <laughs> the, the the dudes? Oh yeah, in their uh, and so... they're just in the basement of the jail, right? Drinking coffee. Jeez, you know their reasoning at the start is you know hey whatever. No, the reason at start is hey, hey black people need no, get the on reason their, get on their feet. They need to they need to bust their own paths. They need to. Uh, you know, be accountable for their own actions. Basically, what they're saying that we need to stand up for our own and get our own, and let them live alone or do whatever they want as people. I get that, but their onset from their mindset from the beginning was we gotta kill white people. Oh, right. That's that's kill uh, government and do all that shit. That's always a downfall. Just like the crazy white people that are the robbing the banks. Oh, right. taxation theft. Okay, that means you got to murder all these guys on the way, like Timothy McVeigh. Right. Oh, blowing up a right. third of a building is justification for the government. No, but his some of his views, anybody can be like, I get it. But then you're like, whoa, you took that a little too far there, buddy. Just a little, <laughs> a little bit. Rockland County DA Kenneth Gribbets told reporters, "Our goal is to see that these people who have contempt for society and have shown no remorse." They will never, ever see the streets of society again. <laughs> no wonder why people hate us. <laughs> uh, Judge Ritter apparently agreed. <laughs> you think so? He just nodded. Mm-hmm. October 6, 1983, Judge Ritter sentenced each defendant to three consecutive 25-year-to-life sentences, making them eligible for parole in the year 2058. Good luck. After the trial, Belagoon claimed, As to the 75 years in prison, I'm not really worried, not only because I am in the habit of not completing sentences <laughs> <laughs> or waiting on parole or any of that nonsense, but also because the state simply isn't going to last 75 or even 50 years. Boy, was he wrong. Well. He died in prison for me. It didn't matter anyway. Yeah, 1986. Okay. So you get for railing other people's buttholes. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> September 2006, Clark was granted a new trial by a judge, Shira Shinlin, in a district court on grounds, no relations to Judge Judy, in a district court on grounds that she had no representation at trial. On January 3rd, 2008, the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, in a unanimous <laughs> decision, reversed the district, drug, district court's judgment granting a new trial. Second Circuit Court panel noted that she chose to represent herself, yeah, and defaulted any claim by failing to appeal until after the time for appeals had expired. Right. In December 2016, Andrew Cuomo commuted Clark's sentence to 35 years, citing exceptional strides in self-development. She was denied parole in April of 2017, but her parole was indeed granted on April 17, 2019. Well, Clark was the least involved one on here, so if she's going to get pro, and she did do 35 years, so. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Good. <laughs> Even though she was at a scene where policemen got murdered. Gilbert was granted clemency by outgoing New York Governor Andy Cuomo. What a piece of garbage this dude is. He had to do something stupid before he got of kicked out course. of freaking office. Like, hey, August 23rd, two, 2021, reducing his minimum period of parole ineligibility from 75 years to 40. To 40 years that he had served. Gilbert was granted clemency by outgoing New York Governor Andrew Cuomo on August 23rd, 2021, reducing his minimum period of parole ineligibility from 75 years to 40 years he had served. Okay. In October of 2021, the New York Parole Board granted Gilbert's request for parole. As of late November 21, Gilbert spent 40 years in prison. He was 77 at the time of release. That's two of them out, huh? 
Bowden's and Brown's trial was moved to Westchester County on motion of the defense, though Orange County David S. Ritter continued to preside over the matter. Uh-oh. Rockland County continued to foot the bill for the trials, and despite their transfers from county to county. Okay. Despite their transfers. Right. Okay. By December 1983, Rockland County had spent $1 million, Whoa. equivalent to $2.72 million in 2021, on the trials, and Westchester County Executive Andrew P. O'Rourke. Why would you spend... A million dollars on a trial that was already had a, a, a verdict. I don't get it. Basically, you already had a verdict. You spent a million dollars. It should have been the cheapest and quickest trial in, in world history. You would think. Wow. Well, uh, Westchester County Executive Andrew P. O'Rourke estimated that it would likely cost up to another $5 million, equivalent to $13.6 million, in 2021 to prosecute the case to its conclusion, due in large part to extra security precautions, including building alterations. Get out of here. Jeez. Well, Bowden hired Leonard Wineglass to defend her. Wineglass, a law partner of Bowden's father, arranged for a plea bargain. Bowden pleaded guilty to one count of felony murder and robbery in exchange for a single 20-year-to-life sentence. (laughs) She was paroled in 2003. Oh, good for her. However... Brown was unable to... Oh, who's Brown? Brown's the other guy on trial. Right. Brown was unable to reach any deal that would spare him a life sentence. Of course it wouldn't. He's the one that was firing guns and shit. Since he had nothing to lose by going to trial, he decided to have one. Yeah, he might as well, right? right. <laughs> Get <laughs> out of your cell great. a little bit. And- at his trial, he claimed to have only had a minor participation in the robbery and had not fired a weapon at anyone. I don't know that. The jury was not convinced. Mm. Like, I don't think so. <laughs> In addition to being caught in the escape attempt with the other robbers, witnesses identified him as a participant in both shootouts. I seen him at both. I seen him. He was sentenced to 75 years to life in prison. Oh, he did. August 1993, the Second Circuit denied Brown's new petition for a writ of habeas corpus. Habeas corpus. Yeah, he ain't getting that. Right. Uh, Buck was later convicted of. You think they had the big. I would If I was one of those parolee guys, I would have a big thing that says no. <laughs> Meanwhile, Buck was later convicted of multiple charges related to the Brinks robbery and other crimes and sentenced to 50 years in federal prison. Well, if they had one that said undecided. Maybe. Never heard back from them. Maybe. <laughs> Until your next program. That's hearing. like a, a, how a parent says to a kid, can we go here? Maybe. I'll think about it. <laughs> can I get parole? I'll think, I'll about, think it. about it. <laughs> Damn, that means no. <laughs> she was released from prison in July 2010 and died of cancer in August 2010. Oh, jeez. She was released in July and died a month later. Maybe that's probably why she got released. Oh. Matulu Shakur, the alleged ringleader of the group, was the last to go on trial on charges related to the robbery. 1988, he received a 60-year prison sentence. Shakur was denied, denied parole was denied parole release in 2016 and again in 2018. Dang. Shakur and Buck's federal convictions were affirmed by the Second Circuit in um, 1989 of October. 1983, federal trial presided over by U.S. District Judge Kevin Duffy, Sokoa Odinga, and Sylvia Ballardini were convicted of conspiracy and racketeering related to the robberies. Jamal Joseph and Cecil Ferguson were convicted of uh, for being accessories, mm. while two additional defendants were acquitted. Oh, there are others. <laughs> Just the others. Right. Right that trial was prosecuted by Robert S. Litt. Oh, man, Litt. Rather, defendants' lawyers included Chakwe Lobomba and Lynn Stewart. <laughs> That's so weird. Right. <laughs> Lynn Stewart. 
Chacuelabamba. Ferguson, Berlandini, and Odinga's federal convictions were affirmed by the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit in March of 1985. They're like, no, you will remain in prison. Yes, you will. In 2004, the Nyack Post Office was officially renamed after the two police officers and the Brinks Guard who were killed in the shootout. So it was like a three-named post office. Right. In 2008, Kathy Bowden was appointed as an adjunct professor at Col- what? Columbia University School of Social Work, <laughs> prompting a 2013 Orangetown Town Board condemnation of the university's action and a call for her termination as professor. Oh, yeah. In 2019, Bowden and Gilbert's son, Chessa, who was dropped off to a babysitter before the robbery, was elected district attorney Dang. for the city of San Francisco. Look at this dude. Grew up to be somebody. Chessa, huh? Chessa. I bet he had motivation from his mama being a douchebag. Is he still? It's a white guy, yeah. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> you will. Don't worry. You have no parents. You will succeed in life. He's the uh, the current um, district attorney, too. Nice. Look at this guy in San Francisco, too. Good for him. Oh. Made something out of his life. Shortly afterward, Bowden restructured the management by firing seven prosecutors. He came in and cleaned house. All right. Look at this guy. Dang. Wait. On January 26th, Bowden suspended the process of prosecuting Jamaica Hampton, a man who was shot and seriously injured in an altercation with police during which he was captured by striking an officer with a liquor bottle. Hmm. Well, he is a district attorney of uh, San Francisco where they uh, they don't prosecute robberies right you know, uh thefts of up to a thousand dollars so easiest, look, at this guy. look at easiest job he has to do All right jeez following the collapse of the bla some members including ashante elston donald weems aka kwasi balagoon and ajar and lutalo became outspoken proponents of anarchism anarchy baby anarchy we love it we want it we wish for it right we dream of it we yearn for anarchy. <laughs> Weems died in prison of AIDS. And that's where you get. Jeez, what are you guys doing? Man, just pounding that dirty butthole, you <laughs> dirty, nasty people. Austin remains active in prison support and other activist circles. Lutalo was released from prison in 2009 after serving 28 years on charges related to a shootout with a drug dealer in 1981. Uh, and parole... Violation stemming from his conviction for a 1975. So he got a parole violation, and so most of his time was fired for the parole, parole violation. Parole violation, for sure. Plus, I mean, right. violate your parole, so they probably got him with a uh, legal weapon and all that shit. You know? And you're having a shootout with a drug dealer. Right. Jeez. They're like, you should have killed him. During which time he was pun- <laughs> right. During which time he was punished with solitary confinement, receiving anarchist literature. Oh. Oh, he was receiving it? Jeez. What 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 do you get? Uh, Hillary Clinton's biography or something? <laughs> Jeez! While incarcerated, the Anarchist Black Cross Federation gave him support. Oh, good for them! January twenty sixth, two thousand ten, Lutala was arrested for endangering public transportation while on the Amtrak train in New Jersey after attending the Anarchist Book Fair. Uh-oh. Well, that's a thing, huh? In Los Angeles, <laughs> being mistakenly identified as making terrorist threats on his cell phone. Oh, jeez! You can't do that. Charge was dropped for lack of evidence, and Lutalo settled a suit against what? the city of La Junta, Colorado, where his arrest was made for an undisclosed amount. I guess it was 2010. So they claimed that he was making threats on a cell phone or something. Right. There was. Right. Mm. That's why they invented Twitter and all that. It was making it easier to get these guys. Well, has it? (laughs) 
considering every uh, right. mass shooter <laughs> right. puts something on fucking social media right before they go and do it, and the nothing people, happens. The people at the FBI that have to go through social media are like, I think we got one here. Like, nah. <laughs> all right, just be all right. Nah. We interviewed him four years ago. He's all right. <laughs> nah. <laughs> 2007 of January, eight men labeled the San Francisco eight were charged by a joint state and federal task force with John Young's murder. Jeez, that was how many years later? All right. Defendants have been identified as former members of the BLA. Of course. A similar case was dismissed in 1975 when a judge ruled that police gathered evidence through the use of torture. Oh, who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> I hope you never become a freaking police chief. <laughs> By all means. Hey, man, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I guess. June 29, 2009, Herman Bell pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and the death of Sergeant Young. July 2009. Uh, voluntary manslaughter. What do you get? 10 years? Maybe. Uh, in July 2009, charges were dropped against four of the accused, which were Ray Boudreau, Henry W. Jones, Richard Brown, and Harold Taylor. That same month, Jaleel Muntaquim pleaded no contest to conspiracy to commit voluntary manslaughter, becoming the second person to be convicted in this very case. Mm. Well. <sighs> That's a long list. <laughs> Ending this uh, episode with list of BLA members in prison as of 2022, which includes the following. Sundiata Akoli, convicted along with Sada Shakur of the murder of New Jersey State Trooper in 73, paroled in May 2022, uh, due, due to be, be released. Any moment now, probably any minute, Probably, yeah. Probably now. Uh, Matulu Shakur, charged with conspiracy in the 79 BLA prison break of Asada Shakur. He's on the, uh, or no, she's the FBI's top 10 fugitive, number 380. Wow. Um, captured in 1986 and convicted of participating in the 81 Brinks robbery. He received a 60-year sentence in a federal prison. Dang. Currently incarcerated at Victorville, <clears throat> due for release in 2024. Hmm. He was also the stepfather of uh, the late rap artist Tupac Shakur. Matulu? Yes. Kojo Bamani Sabubu. <laughs> <laughs> Sababu. Uh, formerly Graylin Brown, convicted of bank robbery in 1975. Kamu Sadiki, formerly Freddie Hilton, convicted on October 13, 2002, sentenced to life in prison for the 71 murder of uh, police officer Jim Green. Fred Muhammad Burton, one of the Philadelphia Five. Joseph Bowen and uh, other members. Russell Maroon Schultz, he's dead, just died in 2021, convicted mm. of the murder of, uh, of a police officer in 72, died of colorectal cancer. Colon cancer. In uh, December 2021. Jalil Montakim, convicted of killing two policemen alongside Herman Bell, released from prison in October 2020 after over 49 years, 11 parole denials. So he's hmm. still... Uh, Albert Lee, Arthur Lee Washington Jr., he's on the FBI 10 Most Wanted of Fugitives. He's number 427 on that list. Is that like the 427th ever? Wanted for the 1989 attempted murder of New Jersey State Trooper, removed from the list in December 2000, is no longer meeting the criteria. Seku Odinga. Because he was in freaking prison. He wasn't. He's still on the run. Oh, he's still on the run? Well, I'm pretty sure. He's still wanted. Nice. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> Sako Wadinga, convicted of six counts attempted murder for his participation in the Brinks robbery, released in 2014. Jamal Joseph, American writer, director, producer, poet, activist, and educator. He was a member of the Black Panther Party and the BLA. He was prosecuted as one of the Panther 21. Spent six years incarcerated at Leavenworth. Look at this guy. Come on. Did good things. The most interesting one, I think, though. We're going to stop because I don't really care about the rest. Um, Asada Shakur. She's named on the uh, most wanted list by the FBI. The first ever woman to make that list. Oh. She, is, she is believed to be currently. Connie wasn't on that list? No. 
They didn't have a top ten by then, did they? They barely had an FBI. Right. (laughs) She's believed to be living in Cuba right now under political asylum. Really? She escaped custody in 79 after being convicted in the 73 murder of state trooper Werner Forrester. She has been cited as an inspiration... She's been, of course, been cited by an inspiration as Black Lives Two Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter co-founder Alicia Garza. Is that why they say Tupac's living in Cuba? Yeah, probably. Is that why they say that? Is that? Well, is that's that, not his mom. I know, but still, family member. Or her, her name is Joanne Deborah Byron. Right. Well, yeah. She's her godmother, step aunt. Mm. Yeah, she's lived in Cuba since going there in '84. U.S. government efforts. For to have her return has failed. She's been on the FBI's most wanted terrorist list since 2013, hmm. and was the first person added to this list. So she's currently nice. currently rod want rotted. She's currently <laughs> wanted for sure. She got a two million dollar reward though. Damn, dude, 42 years ago, and she's just living freely, walking around the streets of Cuba. I don't see how Cuba's so tiny. What does matter? They can't. They don't have no um, authority to go and get her. Do whatever the hell she wants. It's true. So. Yeah, that was the uh, Black Liberation um, Army. You'd think they would have done that when they lifted all restrictions against Cuba. They're like, hey, give us Shakur. And they're like, no! <laughs> you will not get Shakur. It's going to do it for Black Liberation Army. Um, I mean, yeah. it started, they started off with... With the right, with, with they, the right idea, they didn't. They did. They started off wanting to immediately kill people. <laughs> what are you <laughs> talking about? Take off. up arms for the liberation and self determination of black yeah. people in the United States. So they were going to take it by force. Well, if needed to be, right? War. They claimed against the United States government. That was their founding uh, um, principle. I mean, if it was only against the government, that'd be fine. But then they changed it to all white people and shit like that. Well, not really, because they didn't kill who what, they, uh, they didn't kill any civilians. All right. Cops, scoppers, eh? Good for them. A lot of, well, a lot of, uh, not good for them. <laughs> a lot of uh, Italians too. Yeah, well, for some reason. Well, because it's New York. I mean, their message. New York and their Jersey. Be- their beginning message was: we need to uh, take care of our own, get our own, be independent. No, their stated goal at the beginning was I to know take up was. arms for the liberation and self determination of black people in the United States. Yeah, that's what they're going to tell you. But their meetings were like, mm, we need to stand together as black folks. And kill anybody that stands their way. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, anti-racist, and anti-sexist. Okay, they say anti-racist, but they're racist themselves. Oh, I forgot. Black people can't right. be racist. Hmm. I mean, all that I agree with, except for anti-capitalist. Right. I don't know what imperialist is. I try to give these different ethnic groups the benefit of the doubt when they come out, like Latino or the black or Asian and all that, but it all ends up being, or even the KKK, all that. It all ends up being. Well, no, there's a difference, though. The KKK admits to being racist. <laughs> <laughs> None of these other ones. I mean, I, they do, though. Right. It's all the same. The Black Panthers was the KKK, but Black Panthers didn't go out and hanging people and burning crosses on yards. Or did they? No, they did some similar shit, though. <laughs> right. They killed some people. Right. So, I mean, come on. Get the hell out of here. Look, man. If you're going to join, uh, you're going to make a group that uh, uh strictly for one race and you strive and you, one of your um, ideolo- ideologies is to hate all other races, then you're probably a racist group. No matter if you're a black, Mexican, white, doesn't matter. I mean, they do got to, I mean, come on. 
Jim Jones killed 900 other people. I mean, these these guys, blacks and Mexicans are like easily, uh, easily coerced into being into like a cult. Well, that's racist. <laughs> well, it's not. <laughs> how is it not? Uh, you know how many white um, cults there are? Besides. Cults are, like, associated with white people. Right. But the ones that we've done so far, 900 black people with Jim Jones, they all they drank the Kool-Aid. Most of them. 80% of them. They all drank the Kool-Aid. That's the only one. The Black Panthers. <laughs> they all drank the Kool-Aid. We didn't do Black Panthers. Same thing as the Black Liberation it's Army. Snot, though. It is. Snot. It is. Snot. It is. Snot. No limit soldiers. <laughs> G unit. I'm only kidding. No. <laughs> oh, trust me. We're gonna get to the uh crazy white cults. <laughs> mm. They were even worse. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are some goofy sons of bitches there. Uh, Branch Davidians. Right. Yeah, or the uh, Haley Pop Comet guys, oh, or whatever the hell they are. Yeah, let's all dress in Adidas uh, right. and Nikes, and um, then they wear the, like the little fedora hats or whatever, and the jumpsuits. No, they wore the jumpsuits and Nikes. They all bought black and white Nikes and killed themselves in their Not bed. The fedora hats, but they had the the hats. No, no, they didn't wear the hats. No hats. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Waiting for a spaceship to come pick them up from Haley Haley Pop Comet or whoever the hell it was. Uh, that reminds me of Independence Day. We're all on top of the building. <laughs> Welcome. They're like, <laughs> boom, by idiots. You, what do you think was going to happen? <laughs> we need to end this episode. We're, we're, that's the Black Liberation Army. And we are. <laughs> uh, oh, if you guys uh, no, if you guys are um, you interested in more, more American history, stuff, well, no, this check is out the Civil War. Yeah, check, <laughs> check out our other podcast we do called Battles of the American Civil War, which uh, we obviously, as the name suggests, we cover the battles of the American Civil War from the first battle all the way to the last. We are three more battles away until we get to 19 or 18, 1862. Ooh, we're the real start of the war. Where the real start of the war is. So, uh, yeah, wherever you get your podcast, battles of the American Civil War, and we'll be back next week for more racist shit. We are the Mouthy <laughs> Michiganders with... And, uh, bing, dang. <laughs>